The Theonauts episode 85. The one where we try to make it last for two days. The Theonauts podcast. Christian news from around the globe. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. It is the glory of God to conceal a thing, but the honor of kings is to search out a matter. Explore the vast reaches of God's Word. Hello, all you Theo sons of none out there. <laughs> I'm David Gaddy. I'm Jeremiah Orr. <laughs> Together we are the, the Theo Nuts. Yet again, is, is that a pleasant way of calling somebody? Uh, you know, uh, yeah, I know exactly child. what you're saying. <laughs> you're a son of none. <laughs> you little son of none. No, I don't, I don't think that's good. Hey, I have a question for you. So you. you they, for those of you who don't know, David does pretty much everything other than me just sitting here and talking and, and backing him up. So he does all the sound bites and all that stuff. And I'm wondering where, okay, so whose voices are those on our uh, intro? Oh, well, that's a good question, actually, because I've had, uh, I've had speculation. Like people I know saying, oh, really? hey, that's Jeremiah reading that. I'm like, no, it's not Jeremiah. <laughs> it's not me. It's, yeah, it is. I can tell. It's not <laughs> Jeremiah. Uh, actually, they they come from a couple of different sources. Oh, yeah. um, uh, I think at least one of them is a LibriVox recording from the Bible. Oh, really? Yeah, like, yeah. I know LibriVox. I use it all the time for yeah, English. It, I, and I think that's the um, the uh, Proverbs twenty five and two quote. Oh, yeah. About um, the glory of God. Yeah, to, to conceal a matter. Conceal a thing. And then um, then I used one of these online uh, text-to-speech things for the Explore the Vast Reaches of God's Word. Dude. So that's not a real person. That's pretty amazing that that's text-to-speech because it sounds like it it fits perfect there. You know, it's it's just this chick who sounds perfect for that. Yeah, I had to kind of search to find one with a natural sound yeah. to it. Most like of them, it. you know, want to want to charge you for it. And yeah. it's like, for what I'm doing, I really don't need want to pay. I don't want to pay for all that. Yeah. But uh, So how's your week been, David? Oh, it's been crazy, man. There is like a two-year-old running around my house. <laughs> I saw the video and it was epic. Oh, <laughs> he is wearing me out. Like, okay, one of the things he loves to do is he's got a little toy truck. Uh-huh. And he loves to, to like, put his hands on it sure. and run with it, like, around the house. Like sure. he's driving. <laughs> so he's bent over, pushing this truck while he's running along. And uh, I mean, that's the dream of every kid. So anyway, right? my parents have a uh, had a bigger dump truck oh, yeah. that they brought over for him to play with. And that I will just leave it here. Well, he thinks that's mine. Oh. So now he gets me to do the same thing with him. Oh, and wow. And once or twice, perfectly fine. <laughs> but then it's like, pappy, pappy, pappy. And he just <laughs> wants me to run around the house constantly. Man, that's a workout right oh, there. It's like, it's like a running bear crawl. <laughs> yeah. Because you're bent over. It's so great. Rolling this thing. Why didn't you convince Uncle, you should have convinced Uncle Kevin to do that with him. <laughs> Yeah, it probably did a lot better than I did, but anyway. So anyway, that's been going pretty good, uh, except for my wife got um, bronchitis, yeah. laryngitis, and she's just having this hard time 
because she can't even talk. Sure. And she's trying to take care of him at home she's alone. She's miserable. And whenever I'm not there. So, uh, so yeah, that's going on. But the good news is my, my daughter and son-in-law uh, had a good report yes. from Ethiopia. They are actually, uh, they, they were able to chase down and, and do some things that normally you don't do. Uh, they are getting shepherd in the nick of time. Like Ethiopia shutting down right. adoptions. Right. And uh, I say shutting down. They're making it incredibly difficult right. to adopt from there. You have to live there a certain period of time before you can. <laughs> yeah. So um, so anyway. Why are they doing that? Oh, who knows? I'm sure a lot of it is economic. Yeah. You know, because what, the, what, what happens whenever you, if someone really wants to adopt a child, all right, well, come live here. Okay, right. well, that's money into the economy. Exactly. You know, that's what, now they can tax you. Like but crazy. I'm sure there's some political reasons as well. But um, but anyway, but they're getting in under the gun, and they're, and they're getting all their things done uh, kind of expedited while they were there. Sure. Which is really good. They got to kind of chase things down themselves and uh, got stamps on the paper, on the documents that needed to be stamped. And So he's officially theirs at this point. Oh, wow. He, he's their child. So um, there's... There's nothing they can do to keep him from coming home. He's, right. He's there. The only thing he's waiting on is his passport and a physical. Okay. And it takes about two weeks for them to, to schedule a doctor's appointment and get him into the physical. Okay. So we're looking at a time frame of maybe a month? Then? Yeah. So within the next month, uh, he should be able to come home. <laughs> Praise so, the Lord. Yes. We're going to have a big old party? Very exciting. Yes. <laughs> yeah, this sounds, sounds great. That's so awesome. So <laughs> praise the Lord. Y'all y'all be uh, in prayer for uh, for Mandy and Stephen as they're, uh, they're, they're coming home. Pray for safety yes, coming home. Yes. And it's then, an emotional roller coaster because oh, they got to yeah. leave him there yeah. after seeing him and after holding right. him. Right. And that, that picture on Facebook of them. Oh my goodness! It just touches your heart and pray for little shepherd. Pray that uh, that he stays healthy and that they get him home soon. So yeah. that's that's an awesome thing. So, anyways, my life's been good. Awesome. What's going on? It's been good. I don't know. I'm just teaching. Oh, that's okay. pretty much it. Let's see. Finished Robinson Crusoe with the seniors. My life is all about literature now. Yeah, yeah. That's kind of cool because yeah. I like literature. I've just been kind of removed from it, you know, for yeah. a while. But, right, but yeah, that's well. You have to reteach yourself. So today I showed uh, some videos of old school Civil War uh, warfare because we're the freshmen and the eighth graders are reading Red Badge of Courage. Ah, okay. So they're learning how crazy it was that you know how to fight back then yeah. <laughs> with the whole like one ball musket thing and you know shooting. <laughs> Every twenty seconds, you get yes, a new, yes. you know. So it's it's been really interesting, and they're like, I can't believe they did that. You know, they just stood up and shot at each other, and I'm like, yeah, pretty much. Wow. That was it. So, yeah, it's been uh, it's been fun. I'm cool. ready. I'm ready for the weekend. I think so. And yeah, uh, sounds fun. Yeah, I'm leading worship at the church now. Yes, uh, pretty much full and starting youth tonight or Sunday night. Sorry. Yes. So. <laughs> Working on that, and uh, my plate is full. Awesome. But God is good. So. Uh, well, I can relate. My plate is full, too. That's good. <laughs> That's good. Well, so are we ready to roll? Without any further ado. Okay. So make the sun stand still for me, David. Yes. Okay. So this is going to be kind of a fun, weird one. I'm going to warn you. This is a this is a disclaimer. Okay. 
weirdness to follow. Okay, there's going to be some X-Files stuff going on in here. This is David's topic, by the way. I'm along for the ride. <laughs> and I can't wait to see what weirdness ensues. Because with David, it's always going to be something a little supernatural. Yeah, right? it's a little out there. But that's okay. And, and, and I will also say this, that uh, I've got no claims on this being like, this is what it is. And so therefore, you know, deal okay. with it. All no, right. All it right. could be anything. But, sure, sure. But I thought this was a really cool um, spacey theory. And the timing is really good. Because, okay, we just came off our star study. Yeah. So we've been talking about the cosmos right. and talking about yeah. all this. Sort of, and this is going to play into it. Sure. Okay. And then we, before that, the week before that, we talked about God's uh, sovereignty through suffering right. and trials and all this. And in that discussion, we had a lot of, of talk and debate about what's God hands-on doing? What's he physically doing? And, right, right. Or how how is he letting things go? I mean, we've got all this, and, and that will play into this as well. Sure. And uh, because there's some miraculous things sure. that happen in this story. So for those of you who haven't read your Bible, uh, this is Joshua 10. And because um, you might be thinking, well, what in the world are they talking about? Okay. <laughs> Joshua is... is uh, A son of none. He's the son of none. <laughs> N U N. That doesn't, and that doesn't mean no father. Yeah, it does, and it doesn't mean a, a woman wearing a habit. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> that would be really messed up. Wouldn't yeah, it? it'd be interesting. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Oh my gosh. So, um, the okay to catch everybody up with the context of this story. story and what's going on. Uh, this is whenever. Uh, the the wilderness has ended. the 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 forty years in the wilderness is over. Right. They're going into the promised land. Right. Okay. The children of Israel marching in the promised land. Joshua's taking the reins. Yep. Okay. He's leading the charge. They cross over the river Jordan. The first thing they do is to take out Jericho through yeah. another miraculous thing. Joshua fit the battle of Jericho, and the walls came a tumbling down. That's right. And then they go and hit uh, AI. Uh-huh. Uh, depending on how you pronounce that, uh, IE maybe. However it's pronounced. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> uh, okay, keep going. They, they take out the this now with some drama. There's some drama that ensues. Right. We even talked about some of it in trivia last right. time. Um, but some drama ensues. They end up taking the, the, the city of, of AI. And okay, now at this point, everyone's getting a clue. Yeah. Okay. There's this new dude in town <laughs> and this new nation that's coming around and pretty much whipping everybody. They took yes. out Jericho and nobody takes out Jericho. And now they've taken out AI. And so what are we going to do? Which by the way, they're doing this against all odds with, with very, the, I mean, like, right. it's, no way. it's crazy. So, um, so anyway, everyone is, is freaked out, scared of what's going on. Right. And because they know when the Israelites come to town, it's there's going to be a whipping. That's right. And, uh, so now there's also, you going way back to when we talked to Brian Gadawa and all his research leading up to his stories about giants and all that we read. Right. Bear in mind that this isn't God just wiping out a bunch of people. Also, uh, there is a good indication through Scripture that that there is some messed up bloodlines, right, happening in, right. in these nations. Right. So when God says, "Destroy them all, men, women, children, animals, everything, everything. wipe them all out," it's not God. 
w- wishing genocide upon humans. Right. There are some. Um, there are <clears throat> some. Some uh, remnant bloodline. Remnant bloodlines. Mm-hmm. Things happening here in the land of Canaan. Right. Uh, whenever the spies went in years before, they said there's giants in the land. Yes, they and they came back saying. Uh, okay. Good. Yeah. <laughs> Jeremiah's checking. He's like, we're not recording anything. <laughs> He's looking at the wrong screen. Sorry, <laughs> my bad. It's okay. I'm not recording the video. Yeah, or I noticed that. Well, was... and the reason why is because well, I wanted to kind of rush and get yeah through because yeah, we've got yeah. a big schedule tonight. Right. And uh, on top of that, uh, Finding Christ and Cinema just recorded their oh, yeah, video. Right. Like it just finished. A, a they couple... started at four o'clock. Right. Yeah. And and so uh, I don't want to wipe out. Their video that's up there on the live site, sure, because their video is much better than ours. <laughs> and, and they talked about the visit, by the way, which I, I just I watched. Lo- did you? I just I watched that last weekend. That is an awesome movie. Oh my god! Like it is. That gave me faith in M Night Shyamalan. Shyamalan. Yes, Shyamalan. So he he's back on form with this movie. Yeah, and, uh, he did great. So, but anyway, go check out Finding Christ in Cinema. Right and. Uh, uh, listen to their take on it because Michael wasn't crazy about it. Brendan really liked it. But the cool thing is the message that's right. underneath right. about getting over anger and resolve. And that kid in that movie, the boy, is uh-huh. it's just the best character to me. <laughs> I love that guy. So, anyways. Okay, so back on Yeah, on, back to what we were track. talking about. Uh, I don't even remember what got they us. They were to wiping out basically giants. They were wiping out yes. bloodlines as well as taking over the the territory that God had promised them, the promised land. Correct. So Okay, so there is a group of people that live nearby called Gibeonites. Okay. Okay, don't confuse that with Gideon. Gideon. This is yeah. Gibeon. Right. Uh so the, G- these people from the, from Gibeon, they come over and they they've got a plan. It's a sneaky plan. It's actually pretty well uh, put together. And right. this also lets you know that they knew <clears throat> what kind of people like honorable people the Israelites were. Right. Because here's what their plan was. Hey, let's go over there. Let's tell these Israelites that we're from a distant land. Yeah. And we come to pledge allegiance to them and their God. Right. And that we want to shake a hand and make a deal and say, hey, we're on your side. Get an alliance going. Yeah, get an alliance going. And uh, so pretty smart because yeah. they know that 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 the that Joshua and company are trying to take the land. Right. And so uh they come from they come in and they 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 make themselves look like they've been traveling a long right. way. They throw on <laughs> traveling clothes and scuff <laughs> themselves up and make yeah. it look like they've been working hard on getting there. Yeah, they come in there and they tell Joshua and company, uh hey, we're from this we're from the distant land, but hey, we want to be buds. Yeah. And Joshua's like, oh great. I and mean, they even quiz them a little bit. Well wait a minute. Uh, are y'all from Gibeon? <laughs> Aren't y'all close by? Oh, no, 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 no. We're from where? Right. You've never heard of it. Right. It's out here. You know? So uh, so anyway, they so they strike a deal. Yeah. And apparently your word is your bond. Right. Because then three days later, they actually find out these people are neighbors. Yep. <laughs> and they're on the checklist. Oh, wait a minute. We just made a deal <laughs> with these people. That, now what are we going to do? We wouldn't, um, that we wouldn't. Right. Do anything to them. Well, <clears throat> so they honor the deal, and yeah. God allows that to happen. He lets them on. So these these people actually trick themselves out of being right. conquered. But here's one here's one of the downsides to that. Now everybody's looking at you. Yeah. Like, oh, you're the guys who cut the deal <laughs> with the Israelites, yeah. 
And so now they're in the crosshairs of the na- of the neighbors right. of all the other neighboring countries. So here's what happens: five groups come together and they say, "Let's go take out Gibeon." Right. Okay. Since they're not going to get wiped out by the Israelites, we'll do it. So they show up and they start whipping Gibeon. Gibeon. Mm-hmm. Now, when when the Israelites find out about this, because they had a pact with them, they honored that by saying, "Let's go defend them." Right. And so they actually went to go defend. And they fought for Gibeon. Yes. Okay, so they end up fighting five armies <laughs> by themselves. Yeah. Well, with the Gibeonites. And this thing goes on for a long time. Right. Now, there's um, all kinds of weird, crazy stuff that starts happening. Uh, hail, hailstones. God starts throwing rocks Huge at them. hailstones <laughs> begin to fall from the sky. Right. And only hits... The Amorites right. and those aligned with them. These that's the bad guys. The bad guys. It only hits these Amorites. It, it, n- none of the good guys right. are getting nailed. Yeah. Only the bad guys. Okay. And so this goes on, and then uh, Joshua does something very brash and bold. He commands. He himself commands the sun to stay still. That's right. Because they don't have enough time to finish the battle, and they want to get this over with. So he commands the sun to stay still and the moon as well. Right. And it says, then God did as Joshua requested. And bam, the sun didn't move for like eight hours. Right. Well, do you want me to read it? Joshua yes. 10, 11 yeah, through 13. And okay. And it came to pass as they fled before uh, they as they fled from before Israel and were in uh, the going down to Beth. Uh, Beth Horon, that the Lord cast down great stones from heaven upon them unto <coughs> Azekah, um, and they died. Then spake Joshua to the Lord in the day when the Lord delivered up the Amorites before the children of Israel. And he said to the sight of Israel, Son, stand thou still upon Gibeon, and thou moon in the valley of Adjola. Uh, Agilon, sorry, Agilon. <laughs> and the sun stood still, and the moon stayed, and the people had avenged themselves upon their enemies. It is now, uh, is it not written in the book of Jasher? So the sun stood still in the midst of heaven and hastened not to go down about a whole day. Okay, so we have this miraculous event. First off, it's miraculous because of the hailstones, which, by the way, when we hear hail, especially here in Texas, we think of ice. Yeah. Okay, this isn't ice. The hail stones. These are meteors. These are meteors. Yeah. Meteorites. Right. Uh, Falling to, to earth. So <clears throat> we have this meteorite thing happening, and it, and it does say the Lord threw down the yes. hailstones. Okay? So it's great. So it, God's like getting in the fight himself. He's like, all right, take that. Right. And that. And um, so I'm... I'm gonna I'm gonna play with that a little bit when, whenever we go on. Okay. But okay, so he's tossing hailstones down from the sky, and everyone dies. Sure. Well, at least the, the 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 bad guys die. And it says there are more that died from the hailstones than the Israelites actually killed with the sword. Right. <laughs> okay. And then this weird thing happens where the sun stands still at Joshua's command. Um. Now, so the question is. This is all well and good from a historical, like you read it as history prior to you understanding science and nature and this sort of stuff. And so a lot of science, um, a lot of scientists would say, 
this right here proves the Bible is Lie, mythological. Yeah, it's full of lies. Yeah. It's it's not his history. This right. didn't really happen. Uh, there's no way the sun could stand still because that would mean the earth stopped Stop spinning, spinning, and therefore everyone would float off the earth and blah blah. Right. Okay. So. Um, so there's all kinds of things that we could question. And you can just go, hey, I just take it on faith. It says what it says, and I believe it happened. That's fine. I'm not going to debunk all that. Right. Uh, my thing is, I believe, and this and this goes back to the fact that I studied science in college. I went to school with a bunch of atheists. I okay. had tons of debates with a lot of people. <laughs> and through all that, through all those studies, I've come to believe that science is on God's side. Okay. Sure. It's not the other way around. Right. And and so I believe God uses science. It's His creation, and He can and He uses it. Right. And so I don't, I'm not trying to explain away any miraculous thing because to me it's miraculous that God set it in motion and the timing happened a certain way and all this sort of stuff. <laughs> so there's there is science that I believe can explain what happened. That doesn't make it any less miraculous. So that's what I want to. I want to clarify. Okay. I'm not stealing from God, not saying he's not being miraculous. I'm saying he's so miraculous that he arranged it in such a way scientifically that it would happen at the right time to the right people. Right. Because these remember these hailstones only hit the bad guys. Right. Okay. So I'm I'm reading <clears throat> up on some like some theories, okay? Okay. So I'm going to postulate these 3 before you postulate Yours, okay, which is going to be the main focus, right? Right. So I'm reading up, and I'm I'm looking at there. Some people believe it might have been some form of a reflection, a bending of light of the sun and moon. God miraculously called this caused the sunlight and the moonlight to continue in Canaan for a whole day. It was the sunlight; it wasn't the actual day. <laughs> that's what they say. Okay, okay. which is way like that's what? really hard yeah, to believe. Yeah. A wobble in the direction of the Earth's axis of rotation, so it made like an S-curve. That's going to fit more into what I'm looking at. Okay. and uh, Or, uh, here's another one, a slowing of the Earth's rotation from forty-eight uh, from 24 hours to 48 hours for a full day. So yeah. not, not exactly... That uh, would ha- <coughs> well, for one... That- <coughs> Sorry. It's okay. Ah. Been fighting this stuff I got <coughs> oh, no. from Melanie. Oh, <laughs> but anyway... Um, the the problem with that is that would cause all kinds of title issues. I mean, there there would be oh yeah catastrophic right. results. Yeah, and and the and the access thing will too. But we'll see that that plays in to the story. It actually fits really well. Okay, with what's going on. Well, let's hear. It. <clears throat> okay. Well, first off, I want to debunk something that you hear all the time, or at least I did. I heard. I've heard this story. Oh, yeah. I don't know how many times <laughs> from preachers. I've heard oh, this from yeah. pulpits and whatever. <laughs> I know exactly what you're talking okay, about. Okay, it's an urban legend. And the urban legend says that, and I'm just going to tell it one way. It's been told many different ways. But the, the urban legend says, well, back in uh, 1968, whenever we were in the space race to the moon, we couldn't get a man on the moon, you see. <laughs> we couldn't get the calculations right, you see. There was just so many days that in the calculations, and it wouldn't fit until somebody opened up the Bible and showed the NASA scientist, Joshua 10, and they went, oh, God 
added a day yeah. into the calculations. Right. So they plugged this into their calculations and boom, all of a sudden we could get in, we <laughs> right. could get to the moon. Yeah. Okay. That, does that did not happen. Okay. <laughs> Stop it. That does, that, that does us a disservice right. more than anything because anyone with any scientific knowledge at all hears that and they go, what a bumpkin. That, yeah. Because there's not that for, okay, first off, it's, it's been debunked. There's nothing like that that ever happened. Secondly, it makes no scientific sense at all because the number of days... Doesn't matter in it, calculations <laughs> right. at all. In orbital mechanics, there's no need to know the number of days that have existed in the history of the Earth. Right. Uh, so it makes no sense yeah. whatsoever. And well, sometimes you'll even hear Hezekiah's uh, shadow oh, moving yeah. backward thing. Oh yeah, tied into this, into that, and we'll talk a little bit about that Hezekiah story too. Okay, but um, so anyway, about that story, do not go there when people want to know what's going on with it. That <laughs> it didn't happen. Okay, right. <laughs> quit using this from the pulpit. <laughs> yeah, and I know I've even heard. Stop it. I've even heard preachers say. They had personal knowledge, like they knew someone at NASA that, and, and who was there whenever they did yeah, that. And oh, I'm like, oh, really? Okay, so <laughs> anyway, so don't do that. Instead, be a Berean. Yeah. Acts seventeen eleven. You know, when someone tells you something, go check it to make sure it's right before and you start preaching about it. Exactly. That that's the big thing, and have integrity whenever you're doing it too. <laughs> don't think, oh man, I. But I want to use this in my sermon because it makes that point. So, yeah. oh, give it up. Well, you and, know, and, and, and people, honestly, and I do this, people hear sermons they like and they hear a quip from it and they go, oh, I got to use that. Right. That's great. And so you borrow from it and you use it. Sure. Mean, there's no original content anymore. Right. I mean, That's right. We're all passing this stuff around. And, That's right. And uh, so anyway, okay, so uh, along with, with what you said about popular theories, here's, here's some more. Um, first off... Uh, God stopped rotating the earth completely and that and disrupted the laws of physics miraculously and held everything in place. Okay, that's perfectly possible. He can I'm, do that. He's he can God. he can do that. I'm not saying he can't do it. I'm right. not saying it didn't happen or whatever. I just think that God is a cool engineer. And <laughs> and I think it's a lot cooler that he formulated it in right. other right. in other ways. Okay. Well, and he also <clears throat> so many times he works inside of science uh, of science and what he has created, which is you know the the scientific laws in order to bring about his purpose. So why wouldn't he do that here? Right. But anyways, right. well, God is the author That's of right. nature. Yeah. What, what, quit pitting God against nature. He's not against nature. Nature serves him. That's right. And serves his plan. Serves his needs. He created science. He, yes, he's in charge <laughs> of all of it. Okay, so now the the battle, uh, this one is kind of goofy to me. The battle happened at night, and Joshua was actually praying to prevent the sun from rising. Thus, God answered it through a heavy fog. I've heard and, that before. But uh, it's like that, that doesn't even make sense because it's not like they were fighting with headlights or anything like that. They had to see <laughs> what they were doing, and that was why he wanted more daylight. Right, So it right, doesn't right. make any sense. Yeah. Um, there is one that says it does quote the book of Nat, of Jasher. It mentions that. And right before the show, I pulled we the book of Jasher out. out and we read it. It doesn't say anything that we haven't read right here in Joshua 10. Right. There's no extra stuff. to. But uh, the, the argument is that the passage was written in prose. Po- oh. it, it, that it's quoted from the book of Jasher as poetry. Poetry, yeah. And therefore, it doesn't, it's not, it's a poetic 
structure. It's, it's figurative. Um, yeah. But just because something is in poetic structure doesn't make it figurative. For example, Genesis 1-1 yes. is poetic structure. <laughs> yeah. And so. and so, okay, so here's the one I want to I wanna kind of lean on. It comes from an astrophysicist by the name of Donald Patton. And his hypothesis uh, is that um, he did these, the scientific study about how the Earth and Mars once interacted with one another um, and eventually affected our calendar and our, uh, and our orbit. Um, this doesn't try to explain away the miracles of God, once again, as some natural thing that, that God's not involved. It just happened. Just saying God used this, because this stuff. if Joshua, <clears throat> imagine Joshua stands there at the exact moment. I mean, what are the probabilities? But anyways. Okay, so <laughs> Donald Patton is an is astrophysicist who yes. came up with this. Um, and I will also say the, the reason I even thought of it is because you were mentioning last week, you were mentioning Chuck Missler. Yes, and a study by Chuck Missler that you were listening to, and that's where I actually heard this the first time. Right. So, uh, and he got it from Donald Patton. Okay, so to get to to explain this a little bit better, we're going to back up a little bit and look at the fact that the calendar changed. Okay, and this is going to make sense right now. It's like, whoa, you're changing topics, but it'll make sense. Okay. Okay, so our calendar has changed. Right now, there's 365. And what a quarter days in, right. in a year. Right. Okay, and that's why we have leap year. Leap year. This year, every four years, you make up that quarter a day at one time. Right. Okay, and we do this. Uh, you have to do that leap year thing, otherwise, the the calendar gets, the calendar thrown, off. gets thrown off, and it's and it doesn't match with the heavens and everything else. Right. Okay. So, uh, at one point, here's here's the interesting thing. At one point, there were 360 days in a year instead of 365. Hmm. And almost every ancient calendar that we look at, the Egyptian, the Chaldean, the Jewish, the Mayan, the, the Teutonic, they all have 360 days in them. Really? Okay. So um, you might speculate, well, they didn't know any better. Well, we know from history that that's not true. It, it doesn't really make sense because... They were more farmers than we are. Right. And they had to have accurate calendars and keep track of things. Well, and we've already seen that their, uh, their um, what's it called, um, Zodiac. Is, yes. The Zodiac is ancient, right? right? So they really studied the stars more than, you know. Right. And if your calendar gets off, then you, you start losing track of the sky. Right. So it, navigation depends on this. I mean, there's all kinds of things that 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 this that a ca- important uh, accurate calendar is okay um and also why if if it were just them un- being unknown then why in the world would they all have exactly 360 like on the other side of the world had the exact same calendar yes, the mayans versus the the egyptians the egyptians or, yeah. yeah on two separate uh, continents yeah. completely yeah right. uh, so so why is it that our calendar changed <laughs> Uh, there's no real good historical answer for this. Right. Um, and so, but we do know that it happened sometime around 701 BC. Okay. In the Jewish history, Hezekiah, talked about him just a second ago, Hezekiah was the one who changed it. Huh. Now, that he did it differently than what we're doing. We're currently on, under 
uh, a the Gregorian Roman right, calendar, Gregorian. Um, of the three hundred sixty-five and a quarter days per year. Um, but the way so the way we make up for that quarter of a day is we have leap year. Right. Well, what the Jews used to do, what Hezekiah did, is um, let's see, I had it written down here. He added a full month to the Jewish calendar seven times every 19 years. Okay, so that's oh, wow. confusing. But that's how he kept it. That's how he made up for the 360 and a decimal right. days a year or whatever. When he went from that to the 365 and a quarter days a year, instead of doing it 365 days, he still kept the 360. Right. But in order for it to catch back up, he had to add an entire month to wow. the calendar. Wow. <laughs> so this happened every uh, well, seven times every 19 years. So the question is why? Why did the calendar change? Why has our, our amount of days in a year changed? Well, that's one of the things that, that Donald Patton was looking into. And also this tied into his... Um, his view of uh, an ancient study about the planet Mars. Okay, so before we get into um, into it much more, let's look at Mars itself. Um, Mars had a huge influence on the ancient world. It's really strange when you stop and look at it, more so than any of the other planets. Um, there is... Ancient cult. I feel like you should be like the uh, what is the ancient aliens guy right aliens, now? Aliens, man. <laughs> okay, go ahead. So, um, okay. <laughs> so, ancient cultures feared and worshipped the planet Mars. They thought it to be a powerful god. He was menacing. He was the god of war. The this god planet wasn't named Mars until the days of the Romans, but before then, it was called Ares by the Greeks, and before that, it was called Baal. And, of course, we know Baal from oh, yeah. all the scriptures. It was the god. He's a god of war. And he was one of the gods that, that the ancients feared a lot. And uh, in 2 Kings 23, verse 5, it's kind of interesting here how the use of, of Baal's name is tied into the, the cosmos. Uh, it says, And he de- deposed the priest whom the kings of Judah had ordained to make offerings in the high places and the cities of Judah and around Jerusalem, those also who burned incense to Baal, to the sun, to the moon, and the constellations and all the hosts of heavens. Mm. Uh, Actually, the King James translation uses the term planets in there um, instead of constellations. So there is a planetary significance right. to this god worship that they're that they're worshiping. Um, the Teutons called him Teus. So their their whole culture is named after this god. Right. Uh, that's why we have a Tuesday, by the way. <laughs> that's his day. That's right. <laughs> so uh and March is named after him. Yeah. So there's a, a whole month named after him. Um why is there this big deal being made over such a small planet in the night sky? I mean, honestly, if I asked you to go pick Mars out of the sky, could you do it? No. <laughs> That's because it's really insignificant in the night sky right now. Right. It's a small... And, and it is. Um, it does travel differently than stars through the sky, and it does have a red hue. Uh, but 
most people can't tell that with a naked eye. Right. Uh, you have to you have to really get out your binoculars or, or a telescope to do that. So if it's so hard for us to pick out, why in the world were they so freaked out by it? Hmm. Um, well, many scientists believe that Mars and Earth were a sl- were used to be on a slightly different resonant orbit than what we are on now. The Earth was on a 360-day orbit. Okay, so th- we're going back to the calendar thing. Right. So a year is the amount of time it takes for your planet to travel around the sun. So 360 days is what it used to take the Earth to circle the, the sun. sun. Mm-hmm. Now it takes 365. So there's been somewhat of a shift than what it used to be. Okay, Mars was 720 days is what it took to circle the Earth. Okay. Okay, the orbits would have been elliptical, uh, a little bit more elliptical than they are today, and slightly offset so that the orbit of Mars actually passed through the orbit of the Earth. This would cause them to pass by near each other on several occasions in about 108-year intervals. Like, so they they would come so close, they'd, they'd intercept or, or orbits? That, yes, they'd come very close together, uh, every 108 years, they'd pass by one another. Okay. Now, you can imagine what this would, would do. Where is this information, by the way? This is really interesting. This is... Um, um, Donald Patton wrote this book years ago. Okay. Um, it's called uh, um, Catastrophism in the Bible, or Catastrophism in the Bible, and, um, and the Long Day of Joshua. Okay. Okay, so... <clears throat> And of course, a lot of this is still theory, but right. Okay, but here's what where it starts to tie in. In this model, this is all mathematical. In this model, the planets would come nearby enough to cause gravitational influences on one another uh, every 108 years. This would cause tidal waves, earthquakes, uh, meteorites showers because it would break. Apart the 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 debris that right. was between us and whatever, and so meteorites, um, lightning in the sky. I mean, there was all these things that would happen, and Mars would rise on our horizon like the moon, like bigger than the moon. Wow! And so you can imagine how this would scare people. Sure. And you know that every 108 years, this is going to occur. It's going to happen again. And it's going to cause uh, all this. So what? Uh, here's one of the things that uh, that would also do. It would cause the orbits to shift ever so slightly. So the, the gravitational, it's like a right. putting two magnets together, right. how they repel. So this would happen and the orbits would shift just slightly. Okay. Okay. Which, I, I'm getting you. It's- so after doing this 108 years for so long, right. it stabilized. In, right around, by this mathematical equation, right around 701 B.C. So they don't come in contact with each other anymore. anymore. They're on a different orbit now. Right. And uh, <clears throat> and since that changed our orbit, that would change our calendar. And so we would have to make adjustments to the calendar in order to... Um, but five days, like five whole days, it would change... Wow. Well, I think about how far away... The Earth is from the orbit of Mars now, so that makes sense. I guess yeah. it. 
Wow. So uh, anyway, here's here's some stuff to kind of back this up. Okay, because I know right now it's very X-Filish and very yeah. geeky. Well, I mean, I'm reading an article about it on, on Ancient Aliens itself, so. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> so go, keep going. Okay, so here's an interesting thing to note, that God may have been, this may have been a tool of God in order to make a lot of the miraculous things that he had happen, he purposed, he used this, 108 year interval to plan it and make things function. Okay, so for example, the flood of Noah. However, the flood occurred, whether that's a hydroplate theory or whether it's the um, or whether it's the the what do you call it the the canopy theory or whatever it is, something drastic happened that caused the flood. Uh, that happened in if we if we believe the Bible's lineages and we do add up the years that happened in two thousand four hundred and eighty four BC. Okay. Okay. Then the Tower of Babel that event occurred in nineteen forty four BC, which was five hundred and forty years later after the flood. Okay. So wow. what, whatever it was that happened at the Tower of Babel, that. Happened at that time. It happened at that time, which 540 years is 108 times 5. Okay. So it would have happened on one of these increments. Um, the long day of Joshua that we're talking about today, that happened in 1404 BC, which is another 540 years. It's exactly 540 years from the Tower of Babel, which is 108 times 5. So it's on one of these 108-year Cycles. Elijah at Mount Carmel, whenever he is challenging the and, fire and, comes down. And who is he challenging? Oh, yeah. Baal. Baal. He's challenging the worshipers of Baal. Right. Who's Baal? Mars. Yeah. Okay. So he is challenging them to get to rain fire from heaven and light this uh, this the, or the yeah like this the offering, offering on yeah. fire on Mount Carmel. Now remember one of the th- one of the side effects of the stuff is lightning. lightning and such. Okay, so that happened in 864 BC, which is 540 years after t- to the year after the Joshua's long day. <laughs> so once again, okay, 108 year cycle. So casting your mind for exe- for example. Why would Elijah schedule this thing when he did if it wasn't on an event whenever Mars or Baal would be the most prominent? So you've got Mars rising on our horizon, larger than the moon. You have all these prophets <laughs> calling out to him. Uh, yeah, this is a good theory. I mean, I'm getting I'm getting <laughs> goosebumps here. I mean, it makes sense, but it's like... Oh, you know, I wish there were some ev- like some actual physical circumstantial well, evidence. Well, there there's or very there's very little. It's it's very circumstantial. Um, yeah, it's very circumstantial. But there is a lot of little bitty things that tie it all together, and and that's why we're keeping it going. Okay, all right. Okay, so Hezekiah and yeah. the shadow. Remember the um, the the. Tell me the story. Okay, uh, Hezekiah is like wanting to, he's dying and he's wanting more time. And so uh, he's, God's promising him, he's going to give him some time. So it's kind of like Gideon, he's like, give me a sign, et cetera, et cetera. And 
the shadow moved backwards so many oh, degrees, yeah, yeah. and that was his sign. Okay, so the shadow moved backwards instead of Forward. the direction it was normally going, which yeah. means there was some change in how the sun was shining. Yeah. Okay, so this happens in Isaiah 38, uh, verses 7 through 8, where it says, This shall be the sign to you from the Lord that the Lord will do this thing that he promised. Behold, I will make the shadow cast by the declining sun on the dial of Ahaz, turn back ten steps. So the sun turned back on the dial the ten steps by which it had declined. Okay. Okay. So now here's a thing that's, that is um, one of the parts of this theory is that when all of this drastic stuff is happening, the pull that these planets would, gravitational pull right. that they would have against one another would shift not only their orbit, but also their axis, their axis a little bit. Okay, so if the axis moves, then we're still going around the sun the same. We're still spinning on our own axis, so we still have gravity and all right. this. But the difference is our per, our um, perspective of the sun changes so that it might stay in the sky or even move the different direction in the sky as our axis is moving. Right. Okay, so that is... But stay in there for 24 hours? Uh, it was like eight hours is what it was, I think. Well, so, I mean, it, yeah, that's up for, like, people have talked about that. Yeah, So, it, but that just means that the, the axis is shifting in such a way that where they were standing in Israel... Eight extra hours, it, there was sunshine. Right, it, it, it caused the sun to stay in the same spot in the sky during huh. that time, while everything was still moving. Uh, so anyway, the same thing could have happened here with Hezekiah, uh, or even moved back a little bit in the sky... Um, but it's interesting to note that this was right up to the point, 163 years after this is when the calendars changed and we kind of stopped getting that pull. this, this yeah, particular thing from happening. Mars intercepting. Hmm. Yeah. So, um, <clears throat> so during an year passed by these 108 years, Mars would come as close as 70,000 miles away and rise on the horizon 50 times bigger than the moon. This would cause huge earthquakes, tidal shifts, lightning, meteor showers, and scare everyone on Earth to death. The ancient city of Troy yes. was rebuilt seven times because of tidal waves 85 <laughs> feet in the air. I'm yeah, reading this. Right. It's pretty interesting. Right. So why would that well, why would that happen every year? And why why in the world they continue building it? That cracks me up. Right. But, Whatever. Anyways, that's, that's okay, an interesting... So people worship the sun. People worship the moon. And the reason why is because they're up there and they're doing things and, sure, they're, and sure. they're causing effects on the earth. So people equate them to deities. Right. Well, add a third thing into the mix here. Now you've got Mars and it shows up every now and then like a warrior changing everything up. Sure. Okay, so but they worship the other planets too, don't they? Like Venus and... Yes, but but Mars seems to have a larger impact on them than any of the others. Okay. Like there's so many things. I mean, look how much Baal was. Oh yeah, was he, he was like the main god, the, the main god of the Old Testament, right? And, and that was uh, uh, against the true God. Um, so if we if we uh, look at this, is the, the moving of the shadow and all that sort of thing. Um, what does that have to do with Joshua himself? Well, oh, hang on a second. There's one more thing that I want to cover. Uh, I, I mentioned Jonathan Swift's Gulliver's Travels. Yes. Okay, there's a reason for that. Okay. Okay, so 
Jonathan Swift wrote Gulliver's Travels in 1726. Right. Okay. Now, in the third voyage, okay, most people think of Gulliver's Travels. I don't know how many people have actually read it. Uh, it's a fun read. I like it a lot. Right. It's a fun it, book. It's it's uh, it is satire. Right. It's not meant to be. It's not your typical storybook thing. It it is telling political satire. Well, Swift was all about political satire. Have you ever read a, uh, a modest proposal? <laughs> That's an awesome <laughs> little read. Okay, so it's like a couple page essay, but basically what he proposes is eating uh, the babies of poor people in London. Uh, and that'll take care of their poor problem. <laughs> I mean, that was who he was. <laughs> wow. So anyways, keep going. <laughs> well, um, I want to read a, just a little bit from his third voyage. Okay, where it's... Most people think of the, the Lilliputians, and that's right. the only ones they think of because of the little guys. Right. That. But he also went to Laputia, which is the city in the clouds. Okay. And uh, that's on his third journey. And the, the, the Laputians in the story were far more scientifically advanced than Earth. Okay. And so they boasted about what they knew that we didn't know. Right. And that sort of thing. So here's a quote from Gulliver's Travels. It says uh, that this is Gulliver speaking to the Laputian astronomers. Okay. And he notes this. They have likewise discovered two lesser stars or satellites which revolve around Mars whereof the innermost is distant from the center of the primary exactly three of his diameters and the outermost five. The former revolves in space of 10 hours and the latter in 21 and a half. Okay, that's awful specific. Yeah. He doesn't just say there are two moons of Mars. Right. He gives very specific information about how these moons travel and how what their orbits are right. and all this sort of thing. Okay, going back to the fact that he wrote this in 1726. Nobody knew about the satellites of Mars. Mars has two moons, Phobos and Deimos. Nobody knew that when, when Jonathan Swift wrote Gulliver's Travels. Right. So it's either an awful wacky coincidence that Jonathan Swift just happened to not only guess that there are two satellites of Mars, but he also accurately guessed pretty close to how they actually behave. <laughs> so, so this is really weird. No one can figure it out. So why? No one knows. No one knows how, because Jonathan Swift is dead, right? We can't go ask him. <laughs> so, so it's I like, mean, okay. But I mean, that was just an English guy and he wasn't even really, he was a political, uh, satirist. That's correct. what he was. So correct. Like, how did, how did he know any scientific okay. information? <clears throat> well, here's, here's the theory. <laughs> Bring it on. <laughs> In researching this, it appears that he apparently got his information from ancient Chinese sketches that he probably viewed as mere folklore and myth to some depth to, to add some depth to his story. In reality, these sketches were more likely eyewitness accounts of near passbys of Mars. Ancient Chinese sketches. Yes. Do we have these ancient so, Chinese sketches? I don't know. Oh, that's just the 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 research that uh, Donald Patton did saw that well, he at least notated that's where he got a lot of his resources <laughs> okay. was from ancient Chinese uh, theory, um, folklore okay. and this sort of thing. So 
if he is getting some of this stuff from ancients, it could very well be that he is reading things of eyewitness of people who had seen it up close and personal. Right. So this <laughs> all this does is lend itself to the theory that Mars was once much more prominent and closer to the Earth sure. than what it is uh, now. So every time that one of these nearby passbys occurs, the Earth's axis would shift over five degrees and thus incre- increase the length of the day by approximately eight hours. So, from our relative point of the Earth, the sun would appear to stand still in the sky or move backwards. There is a magnetic polar evidence that indicates that this could have occurred hundreds of times in Earth's history. But the book of Joshua says that there had never been another day like it before or since. Okay, we read that a while ago. But I believe what he's saying when it says there has not been a day like it before or since, the very same verse turns right around and says, The Lord obeyed a man for the Lord fought for Israel. Okay, I think that it's not talking about the miraculous event was a one-time thing. It was the fact that God actually did it because Joshua requested it. So he demanded it, basically. Right, right, right. And so the Lord um, did it. And I think that's why it's saying. So um, so the thing that 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 always comes up whenever you do this stuff is, oh, you're just explaining away God's miraculous abilities and all this. But no, I mean, stop and think about this for a minute. In Joshua 10, what does it say there in verse 11? It says, it's the thing about the Lord threw down large hailstones from the sky. Right, right, right. Okay, what if that throw happened during the creation of the earth, during the creation of the universe? I don't get it. Okay. The meteorites that ultimately, because of the way everything happened, landed in, uh, what was what year was this? Uh, 1404 B.C. The meteorites that landed on Earth in 1404 B.C. and hit just the Amorites. What if they were tossed by God 3,000 years earlier? At the creation of the world. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> this okay. This is why I say this is more miraculous to me yeah. than saying I mean, it makes, that God it is, is just right there above the clouds with rocks in his hands. Right. I re, this to me is what gives me faith in um that God is sovereign. Sovereign over creation itself, yeah. like the like the nature itself when you get to the point where you stop putting God against nature and saying just because you're explaining it through nature it steals from God. No, it doesn't steal from God. It shows that when he built nature, he did it in such a way that's the best ballistics engineer ever. <laughs> he threw the he if he threw those meteorites. That's some perfect name right there. Yeah, if he threw those meteorites three thousand years early, knowing that not only would they just travel to Earth, but yet they would be influenced by Mars and by Earth and by everything else, and then cause them to only hit the enemies <laughs> of Joshua. To me, that is miraculous. Oh my goodness! <laughs> I, I mean, it's, it's it's pretty awesome, but uh, I, it's just <laughs> you're right when you say it's pretty far because it's like you know, and I get, I it's a plausible excuse for a lot. Well. When people say there's no scientific explanation to that myth you're reading, this 
is a scientific explanation. Yes, it is very right. thin, right. but it is a scientific explanation, and I think a pretty cool one. Yeah. Um, the, the, one of the things that, that, that this does for me also is that it also shows that God is a promise keeper, that he keeps his promise. Uh, one, of the, one of the promises he made in Genesis 12, verse 3, was, I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse those who curse you. Okay, so he's talking to Israel. Now, what happened to these Gibeonites? They were like, they blessed, oh, yeah. they blessed Israel. Israel, and so God And as a them. result, God blessed them. So right. he's, he was keeping his promise there. And I also love this. In Joshua 10, verse 8, this is leading up to all this, it says, And the Lord said to Joshua, Do not fear them, for I have given them into your hands. Not a man of them shall stand before you. He doesn't say, I will give them into your hands. He says, I have, I have given, given them, them yeah. to your hands. It's past. Past tense. Right. He's already done this 3,000 years earlier yeah. <laughs> when he tossed those rocks. Right. It's past perfect. It's not only past tense, but it's past completed. Yes. Past it's already perfect. been done. It's already completed. Yep. And it, nothing can change it. It's going to happen. <laughs> yeah. So I guess, you know, in getting back to the whole, uh, how this also ties into the whole God's sovereign type of thing, right. is that God uses all this stuff that it, he doesn't have to be sitting on a cloud with a bunch of rocks in his hand <laughs> right. to make this happen. I agree. That that it is that he is sovereign in all of it, sure. And and I just like to believe that he, I you know it's it, again it's a it definitely is a faith builder. Yeah. And I'd love to see if there's any way, and in, we can look back and actually find some evidence outside of scripture, evidence outside of uh, culture, right? That shows scientifically, in fact, that Mars was in our path, which would be really <laughs> cool and explain a lot of things, especially right. this one. So, Well, it's very circumstantial because there's, no, there's nothing that has been documented per se right. about it. However, you do have evidence that, that shows that the, that the axis could have shifted and may have shifted many times throughout Earth's history. Wow. And we do have the fact that the calendar did change. That's yeah, a fact. That's a huge thing right And there. so with how else do you explain the fact that we it now takes us longer to go around the earth than I mean the, around the sun, sun than it used to. Hmm. And uh, so anyway, that's just the, the, it, it's a it's one of those weird awkward theories but it does tie in all the right. it does a- actually provide an answer to the to the questions. Right. So Wow. But anyway. Well, thanks, David. <laughs> now I have a lot to read up on, and uh, I, I'm super stoked about this ancient alien site I found. So. <laughs> Great. Great. Awesome. <laughs> you want to do some news? Let's do some news. And now, the news. All right. We're going to start with a little bit of a bittersweet news. Uh, did you ever own a Ryrie? Study Bible? I did not. I I've seen them all over the place. Yeah, I used I used to have a Ryrie. Uh, they're great study Bibles. 
Charles C. Ryrie, the theologian who created the study Bible and was one of the great shapers of dispensationalism, um, huge <laughs> supporter of dispensationalism. He just passed away. Um, he died on Tuesday at the age of 90. Uh, Ryrie was the author of more than 50 books and the editor of the Ryrie Study Bible, which included more than 10,000 footnotes by him. Huge studier of scripture, of course. In the preface to the original 1978 edition, he wrote, The Bible is the greatest of all books. To study it is the noblest of all pursuits. To understand it, the highest of all goals. Amen. The Ryrie Study Bible has gone on to sell more than 2.6 million copies. That's pretty awesome. So, yep, Dr. Ryrie has passed away, and uh, and the Lord has gained another saint. You know, it would be really neat <laughs> to sit there and watch a theologian who spent his whole life studying scripture, go to heaven and then have everything, you know what I mean? Like have, be able to ask those questions and see all these answers. And oh go, yeah. Yeah. Oh, I totally blew that. Right. <laughs> like, <laughs> I wish I could rewrite that or, yeah, that's oh, what I got that dead on, you know? And I don't know if you've ever done this, but I've, I've done that as well. Like I, I want to see some things of the past. Right. Like I want to see the pyramid. Pyramids getting built. You yeah. Know? I want to see Mars rise on the horizon. <laughs> <laughs> I want to see Joshua make the sun stand still. In the... That's great. Um, all right. Should Christians use curse words? Andy Mineo sparks dialogue. dialogue. Like the name of his last album, Andy Mineo. Do you know who Andy Mineo is? He's a rapper, right? Yeah, he's a Christian rapper. He's <coughs> really famous with the... He's what the kids are listening to these days. Oh, yeah, he's really popular with yeah, the young ones. With the young folks. Yes. Anyways, uh, Andy Mineo is a rapper and... Um, I'm hip to what you're saying, dude. Exactly. <laughs> it says, like, uh, like the name of the last album, Andy Mineo never has a problem bringing up uncomfortable topics. That was the name of his last album, Uncomfortable. In a recent Twitter discussion, the rapper posed a question that had some of his Christian brothers and sisters up in arms. Do you guys really think, this is his question, that using profanity in their uh, words we've, we've given meaning in their music, they could possibly be Christian? Why? The Rich Reach Record MC asked on Twitter. The question immediately ignited a heated debate where Mineo and many of his Twitter followers went back and forth on the matter. <laughs> um, user Oseri pointed out, pointed the rapper towards scripture stating, well, blessings and curses come from the same mouth, which shouldn't be. To which Mineo replied, what are curses in that text? The word in our culture we deem curses, uh, his cultural words or actual curses. Um, and then, so <laughs> anyways, it sparked a lot of debate. I've been reading reading it all week on Twitter. At one point he said, so if I go if I go to my son after a game and I say, good effing job, you did an effing great <laughs> job. Uh, or or I went and said, you're the worst soccer player ever, but I don't use a curse word. Which one's a oh. blessing and which one's a curse? Right. Which is a really good question to pose, right? Yeah. So uh, I don't know. What do you think, David? Oh, man. <laughs> Well, I, I think we've overplayed it okay. from a Christian standpoint. I mean, I think that because we've created our own cuss words, there's all these Christian cuss words. Right. And you must say, oh, I don't have any cuss words or whatever. Oh, but, whatever. Oh, my stars. Bull's <coughs> butter. That's my, my grandma's favorite. Or spit in a bucket. I mean, even as these even benign things like good grief. And, I mean, we get all those things. Those are 
those are expressions right. of distaste or whatever done so in exclamatory way. I mean, they're the same things. They're just they're not the same things, right? And so it, sure. So we justify it. But what I'm getting at is is I think that that maybe all of it is wrong, but I don't know if we can avoid it all. Does that make sense? I mean, we're we we are flawed individuals. Um, so it's just it's just okay. Me personally, I don't use what we would generally consider profanity. Um, something you know, unless something slips on occasion or whatever. But in general, I sure. I just don't. And uh, so as of now, if I decided, hey, it's okay, I still couldn't do it because I would personally be uncomfortable with it. Right. All right. But so then my next question is, well, what about people outside of me? Okay, am I going to judge that person for salty language or or whatever? I love and that I, term, and I can't, salty language. And I can't get quite to that point either. And it, so, but here and here's my thing on it. And this is where, and I've changed my my mindset a whole bunch. Now, here's what I say about it. I say that using that language explicitly shows the mindset of a non-intellectual. And what I mean by that is somebody that you can you can find better ways to express yourself than by saying those words. Correct. That being It limits said, your vocabulary. Yeah, it's, it limits your vocabulary. Yeah, because like the F word can be used as a noun, as an adjective, oh, yeah. as a verb, as exactly. an adverb. Right. <laughs> but the, uh, the other side of it is you're absolutely right. Christians have curse words no matter what. And my mom used to say, well, if you even say crap, what you really mean is the S word, so you might as well yeah. say the bad word. So as if you say poopy. Right, exactly. And so my my thinking on it is, honestly, this is where I'm at. I believe that we're the ones that make curse words curse words. Mm-hmm. I don't believe that Scripture dictates what is a curse word and what's right. not. And in fact... Scripture uses strong enough language that we would consider them, if we were back then, we would consider them cursing. Yeah, they would have considered some of it Vulgar language. Uh, Paul, um, should we continue to sin so that grace may abound? That word certainly is actually hell. Hell no, (laughs) basically. By no means, right? Dad gum. But then there's uh, also, I consider everything skybalon. Dung. Dung. (laughs) Which isn't a proper... (laughs) <laughs> translation of it because it was used as a Greek expletive, right? So exactly, so it was an expletive. Mm-hmm. Um, he also considers uh, things to be minstrel rags. You can look at that and see that. <laughs> yeah, Isaiah. Yeah, <laughs> right. So. Our our wor- our our worst is filthy rags. Right. Yeah. The word is minstrel rags. So, I mean, you go into it and you look at it and you go, okay, from a from an objective perspective, what is cursing? So. But on the other side, I believe that the word cursing actually means anything that you say to your brother in anger. Mm-hmm. You can say, dadgummit, I wish you'd just yeah. die, and that's cursing. <laughs> Darn you. And that's what that meant. <laughs> right. Darn you, I hate you, you, you <laughs> son of a gun, you know? that's You son of none. I mean, you might as well... I mean, that's, that's what that cursing means to mm-hmm. me anyways. So... Um, I think I'm just going to step out on a limb and, and say that it's that it's better not to. Yeah, but it's not a 
but at the same time, it's not the <laughs> it's not the end all sin that we kind of treat it like. That, it is. That's exactly right, and uh, we do far worse. Yes, that's the truth. <laughs> And the reality so, is, is if we're judging others based on their language, uh, you know what? They might have culturally but, gro- grown up in a completely different. You know, a good example you. is the Bad Christian podcast. Oh yeah, which you know th- those guys open. Yeah, they 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 have no problem. They're using a lot more. Uh, <laughs> they're a lot more open than we are. Yeah. So uh, and and in when addressed, they have no problem talking about it. That's and, right. And the and. The whole point is we're all sinners and et cetera, et cetera, and that's just you know who I am. And, all right, and I don't know. I kind of, I kind of like well, yeah, but uh, I try here and there. <laughs> right. Well, so. it, I was listening to a really good sermon on sin uh, from John Piper today in Romans. And oh yeah, you just posted that on Facebook. Yeah, I posted John Owen be killing sin or sin will be killing you, which is awesome. But the whole point was, and he 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 talks about pursuing on in righteousness, and it's not and over and over again we have to say this, but it's not that we try to be good so that we can get into heaven, or we try to be good so that we can be Christians. It's that we strive for perfection because we've been given mm-hmm. freedom in Christ. Right. And that's the point. So anyways, you know, Whenever you hit your toe and say your expletive, don't think that you have to ask Christ into your heart again, quote unquote. <laughs> ask Christ into your heart. Yeah, that's the Baptist, <laughs> the Baptist statement right yeah, there. I didn't do that. Yeah, me neither. <laughs> well, I, actually, I did that a whole bunch, and it never took. Okay, anyways, um, speaking of expletives, a certain movie opened this weekend that had over 83 F-words in it, had nudity in it uh, out the wazoo, and was a comic character. Do yep. you know who I'm referring to? Of course. Deadpool. Deadpool. Yes. Which... The, the highest rated, like, our uh, highest money-making R-rated opening day ever. That's right. Deadpool's record-breaking three-day weekend numbers dipped slightly... In the final tally on Tuesday, from projected one thirty-five million to one thirty-two point one thirty-two point four million, this movie made one hundred and thirty-two point four million on a weekend, uh, the highest-grossing one hundred and fifty million. So this movie has made more money than anything else, and and it's also sparked one of the biggest controversies in Christian online Christendom. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know if you've been reading the Geeks Under Grace. Yes, I have. <laughs> it's great though. Yeah. All the people All this talk debate. about this. Yes. So, uh, what do you think? Should Christians go watch this movie? Well, I think it would be along the lines of any movie like that. And the question is not a yes or no answer, in my opinion. It's something that has to be uh, discerned in some in, in the individual's heart as to whether or not to the, uh, that's something they should watch or not. I do think there is um, a lot of people don't realize what comics are like. That's true. And 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 um, because most people have a have a view of comics. Of either being funny paper stuff or, um, you know, little superhero stories or whatever. But mod- especially modern day, well, even back in the 80s, I mean, from that time on, comics got really gritty. Yeah. And they've been really gritty. They have been. The, and, and salty. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. But 
And here's my argument, though. A lot of people are saying, well, you know, Deadpool is just staying true to the source material. And I believe that. Deadpool is very true to the source material in that movie, right. um, from what I understand. But uh, so was Captain America. It was very true to its source material. So was That's true. So was Iron Man. It was very true to, I mean, even showing him getting drunk. Uh, so was, um, I mean, all these movies have been very Marvel has done a really good job at being true to its source material. And I don't think most of the Marvel characters in the Marvel Universe, uh, there's some gritty characters. Well, there are some darker uh, Marvel characters, the Punisher, the Daredevil. Right, and um, they haven't done those. But Daredevil has been really true to its... Yeah. I mean, watching Kingpin... Take that guy's head off with a door. <laughs> yes, I mean, that's pretty messed up. Yeah, it was yeah. anyway. So I, th- I think that here is here's the only thing, only problem I have with Deadpool. I think that they needed to do a better job of letting parents know that this wasn't going to be another Captain America, that right. this wasn't going to be another, uh, um, you know, another Iron Man mm-hmm. or even Wolverine. Well, and see, and that's a good point because Wolverine is very uh, yeah it, the the Wolverine comics the com right not not going way back to the sixties it was different but you know these the eighties updated versions <clears throat> right extremely gritty uh, yeah, with Wolverine gritty is is a, is a good word for it it's yeah been, and and from what I understand there's talk of Wolverine three and rated R being rated R and that's so, that I really have a problem with because the kids have been going we've to already they've already ad- established who he to, is right. yeah so you know doing that and Fox is really bad about finding something that makes a lot of money and thinking okay let's formulate let's this duplicate this and duplicate it yeah. and that's what they're trying to do because Deadpool made a ton of money for him so now they're gonna try it with with Wolverine and uh, you know, I just think it's going to be a pretty devastating thing. And I've I watched I, Monday. I had my day off, and I went and watched The Revenant. And I watched people getting tickets to Wolverine mm-hmm. or not Wolverine Deadpool, Deadpool. And I saw one family that had like a five year old boy and a seven year old girl. Oh wow! Walking into that movie, and I'm going. They have no clue what they're about to watch. Well, you know the MPAA rating of R. Should indicate should give that. you some clue as to what the content of this film is, but I really think parents ignore that anymore. Yeah, they just don't get it. <laughs> they need to have somebody go look. Don't take your kid to this movie because <laughs> they're just gonna, you know, be exposed to yeah. boobies. Well, <laughs> you know what I mean. And this character has been one that has been um, that has been longed for by geekdom for oh, a long yeah. time. Oh, yeah. I mean, like if you go to the com- comic cons, every comic con there is a, there is tons of Deadpool. At least show. twenty of them. Yeah, it's like Deadpool is <laughs> fat Deadpool, yes. girl Deadpool, skinny He's Deadpool, short the Deadpool. The most cosplay. <laughs> oh yeah, uh, character there was, and there was no movie. Right. There was nothing. Right. It was just comics. Yeah, and and um, it was even originally the comic was like a a satire. So, anyways, it's really interesting to me that whole argument. So, what do you think? Ch- chime in. Let us know what what you believe. Okay. Yeah, I'm sure we'll so, get a bunch of. That's right. We need to move on. I I know time. Okay. Uh, I got some Pope news. Oh, you do. Well, yeah. let's sing along. <laughs> Come together. <laughs> the Pope called Donald Trump not a Christian. 
Wow. <laughs> Just when you thought the national saga with a real estate mogul and the GOP president candidate Donald Trump couldn't get any stranger, the Pontum himself publicly questioned Trump's faith. Yes, that's right. Speaking earlier today, Pope Francis said Trump is not Christian if he wants to build a wall along the U.S.-Mexican border, something the candidate has repeatedly said he wants to build. He said a person who thinks only about building walls wherever they may be and not building bridges is not Christian. This is not the gospel. It didn't take long for Trump, who claims to be a Presbyterian, to respond. For a religious leader to question a person's faith is disgraceful. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> like, that never happens. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> I am proud to be a Christian, and as president, I will not allow Christianity well, to be, uh, to be con- uh, consistently attacked and weakened, unlike what is happening now. With our current president, no leader, especially a religious leader, should have the right to question another man's religion or faith. You know what? A simple answer would have just been, hey, I'm a Protestant. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you have no authority over me, Pope. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I Listen to me right now. Donald Trump is one of the most interesting characters, and I almost feel like I'm in a cartoon whenever I think about the fact that he's running for president of the United right. States of America. This cannot be happening. This cannot be happening in the world right now. I don't know what's worse, Clinton or Trump. And sorry if I'm stepping on some political toes right now, but oh my goodness. Have you listened to this guy talk? I think the whole thing is kind of messed up. It's like there's there's not a lot of good candidates. I give up. To go around anymore. I really I give up. I don't know. I just, man, I, I pray for another William Wilberforce. That guy was a career yeah, politician and a great Christian. And he led for the abolition of slavery in England. And man, we need Christians to stand up like yeah. that again. Anyways, so that's my Pope news. And I got some history, and then we'll be done. Oh, okay. Let me let me turn on the TARDIS there. <laughs> Let's hop in. Ooh, know. it's a lot bigger in here. <laughs> yeah. It's, yeah, it always is bigger on the inside. It <laughs> freaks you out every time. It though. does. All right, today the most popular book in the Christian world next to the Bible itself saw publication. Can you guess? Next to the Bible. Next to the Bible, most popular Christian book ever made. Oh, Christian book ever made. Mm-hmm. Uh, Pilgrim's Progress. Yep, that's right. Whoa! John Bunyan, February 18th, 1678, created or got published uh, The Pilgrim's Progress. Of course, we know the story is... Uh, about Pilgrim, who uh, are about Christian. Christian. Yep, a man, a man named Christian who uh, heads from from sin to freedom in Christ into heaven. Right? Yes, he's on that pathway, and he meets to many the, the city of glory or city. What yeah, that's right, celestial city, celestial city. Yes. yes. Have you ever read Hawthorne's uh, uh, take on that? Huh? It's called the Celestial Railroad. <laughs> really good. You ought oh. to check that out or just read the highlights of it yeah. because I, I just taught this to my juniors and it's hilarious. Basically he takes the modern thinkers of like, Oh, we're not going to take that old pilgrims road. Cause that takes forever. We're just going <laughs> to hop on this railroad. <laughs> and then the guy who's hopping on the railroad, uh, he's like, he's looking around and he's like, Hey, what are all these demons doing working the railroad? <laughs> and, and he's like, Oh, don't mind them. They're, they're our helpers. <laughs> Nice. So this is really good. Anyways, but uh, yeah, so Pilgrim's Progress. All right, that's all I got, man. Oh, okay. Whew. Really? 
Well, <clears throat> it's not voicemail, but it is email. Okay, email. Okay, so we got uh, feedback from Sweet. from uh, Philip. St. Philip. Yep, our uh, patron saint from the GCT network. And um, which, by the way, uh, also just did a t-shirt based on one of his quotes. So, I heard about that. Yeah, it's on Finding Christ in Cinema episode 91. Yeah. He uh, he wrote in and... Um, in part of his his uh, comment, he said, "Ungrace is not an, an effective witnessing tool. Ungrace, <laughs> Ungrace. Is, is not an effective witnessing." Tool. <laughs> so I thought, "Hey, that'd make a great shirt." Well, I awesome. didn't say that. the The FCC guy said that, and I was listening. So <laughs> that's great. So yeah, that's that's available. Um, okay, so we got an email from him. Yes. Okay, he says, uh, "Hey guys, great show on suffering and a good job by Brian Guesting." Sorry a bit late with this, but I wanted to toss in my two cents. Suffering is never easy, and I think when our perspective is that of looking at the world, quote-unquote, under the sun, it is more difficult than it has to be. Jeremiah did well to emphasize perspective like he did, and when you look at Ecclesiastes, I use the phrase, it uses the phrase, under the sun, a lot. And much of the negative perspective that comes from that book is a result of looking at the world with more of a temporal perspective rather than an eternal one. Mm. This is not hard to do since the temporal is what we experience most and best and know best. But life and its difficulties make more sense if we look at things with eternity in mind. This was pointed out to me in a book by my old pastor, Ed Young Sr., in his book, Been There, Done That, Now What? I read it early in my Christian walk, and it helped me shape my worldview. Suddenly, my stress and worries at work, health and family issues, financial troubles, don't seem as dire when thought of with Romans 8 and 18 in mind, which says, For I consider that our present sufferings cannot mm. even be compared to the coming glory that will be revealed to us. Yes. And I'm pretty sure you guys read that verse in the episode, right? Also, <laughs> in 1 Corinthians 13, verse 9 through 10, it says, For we know in part, and we prophesy in part, but when that which is perfect is come, the partial will be set aside. We don't see all the implications of our suffering, and our vision is clouded by experiencing it sometimes, although it actually can produce great clarity as well. I get why the issue of suffering can be a stumbling block to some people placing trust in God, but consider the alternative— Without God suffering and our very without God suffering and our very existence is inconsequential, coincidental, and lacking in any intrinsic value or meaning. With that in mind, so what if we suffer or do not? It all amounts to nothing in the end. Our God gives meaning not only to our existence, but our suffering as well, in no small part because he has suffered worldly pain as well in the person of Jesus. I'm currently listening to C.S. Lewis's A Grief Observed because I want to know if it's a good book and to give people or recommend when they are experiencing grief and also to help me process mine healthily. So far, Lewis is asking some hard questions that don't have easy answers, but his raw honesty is resonating with me. Thanks for the show, guys. Hashtag Gaddy Wills It. <laughs> That's great. So, well, thanks for writing hey, in, man. That's a, that's awesome perspective too. I, uh, I'm always refreshed by uh, by members of uh, of of of, uh, of Christianity. 
<laughs> who who have that perspective. Yeah. So, man, that's it that's always helps special. to know that people are are looking at things, trying to look at things with God eyes that's instead right. of small, amen. You know, man sized eyes. That's so, right. thanks for writing in, Philip. Uh, amen. It's exactly what we were hoping to get across. Uh, that regardless of how and why and what and and what's he do exactly and et cetera, et cetera. The bottom line is understanding that God is there through suffering and that he is working in it somehow. Amen. That's true. All right. We ready to get out of here? Let's do it. All right. The Theonauts are part of the Great Commission Transmission Network using new media and social networking to go into all the world and proclaim the good news to everyone. To find out more or to partner with us, visit us at gctnetwork.com. Subscribe to the newsletter and stay up to date on all the latest from our shows, including Finding Christ in Cinema. There are several ways to contact us and leave us Facebook. Send us email to theonauts at gctnetwork.com. <laughs> Call us on our voicemail line. <laughs> Why are you laughing at <laughs> me? Because you said there are several ways to leave us Facebook. <laughs> are you serious? Yeah, you can email us and leave us Facebook if you like. <laughs> okay, my bad. <laughs> okay, call us on our voicemail line at 972 885 7270. I give up. Listen to us on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, your favorite podcast catcher. Don't forget to leave us comments there and rate us. Tweet to us on Twitter using at Theonautical. Like us on Facebook <laughs> at facebook.com slash Theonauts. Follow us on Instagram at Theonauts and don't forget to tune in again to explore the vast reaches of God's word with us. All right, Jeremiah. Thanks for being here, brother. Hey, thank you too, man. This has been the Theonauts Podcast. Call us with your questions or comments at 972-885-7270. That's 972-885-7270. We'd love to hear from you. You are tuned in to the GCT Network. This is your great commission. This is your great commission transmission. At gctnetwork.com. Transmission.